Isn't it time you got your hands on the award-winning BetFinder app from BetBright? It's not like any other sports app you've ever experienced. Unlike your mates, BetFinder actually does know it all. Runners, riders, results and forms with key trends all at your fingertips. BetFinder puts the power in your hands to make informed choices and it's ready to go. Get stuck in with BetFinder from BetBright. BetFinder by BetBright bringing power to your fingertips. Download the app through the App Store and Google Play now. And you're very welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at BetBright. Myself, Dean Ryan, in the studio. Dermot Nolan is here. Hi, Dean. How are you? I'm really good. Looking forward to uh, chatting about some of the Christmas racing. And as a special treat, uh, Nick Luck joins us on the line again. Nick. Hi, Dean. Hi, Dermot. All very well. Looking forward to the Christmas period. Looking forward to eating lots, drinking lots and losing plenty of money. <laughs> well, you know, less of the last one, hopefully. But let's let's find out how we go. I thought we'd start with a quick uh, recap of some of our favourite novice hurdlers and, and, and kind of, you know, the, the big guns are back and about across the racetracks. Um, I might start with with one that I think kind of setting the world a little bit alight in the Arkle field. I thought So Royale was very interesting when we saw him come on win, probably the hottest novice chase at Sandown that we've seen so far this season. And a horse that we talked about a lot on here, Finian's Oscar, kind of fluffing the lines a little bit there. Anyone want to pick up on, on So Royale and the Arkle picture, which perhaps at the start of the season, a bit question mark about what might appear at the top of that market, but starting to take shape. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The Henry VIII at Sandown was billed as the best novice chase this season and likely to be the best novice chase this side of the Cheltenham Festival. And then, of course, because it's won in pretty emphatic style by the outsider of five, people are less inclined to take it as seriously as perhaps they did going into the race. But I don't think that's wise. The time was quicker than the Dingle Creek later in the card. It was run at a pretty relentless, frenetic gallop. And Sorrell jumped beautifully, travelled fantastically well and picked them off in his own time and for all there were a couple of horses who didn't complete the race Capitaine two out and at the last we lost brain power so Royal had both their measures at the time so I think these horses we do need to take seriously the one cautionary note I'd issue is that he is a horse I think all about speed all about tactical speed I don't think he wants a slog and I think he'd want the ground to be on the livelier side at Cheltenham I think to be seen to the best effect obviously there was little cut in the ground at at Sandown, but I think normal Tuesday Cheltenham ground would be absolutely bob on for Sir Royale. If you've got a, a heavy shower early in the day, I think that would mitigate against him. I think Sandown absolutely suited to him. I think it's a test of speed and slick jumping at two miles, and it was perfect for him. But there's no reason why he shouldn't be a player at Cheltenham. The big complication, of course, is that the same owners have footpad, and it'll be a question of whether they want to run them in the same race or whether they want to separate them. Yeah, I mean, it might not be a, a choice they have to make at the time because plenty of water to go under the bridge and plenty of time for those two horses to get there. What did you make of, of Finian's Oscar? I mean, you said that how Sandown would have been the course that would suit So Royale down to a T, probably the opposite of uh, of that for, for Finian's Oscar. Well, he won a Tolworth at Sandown, but to be honest, it wasn't a deep race and really his class saw him through on, on much worse ground than he faced the other day. I've... It sounds like the most horrendous piece of aftertiming, in a, in a sense it is, but I did write this on the on the Betbright column beforehand. I just thought that sort of test of pace would get him on the back foot, and so it proved. I think he's a horse who in due course will want a lot further, and I'd be inclined to be forgiving and draw a line through it. That said, well, whatever distance he runs, if he's going to be a player in major grade one chases, he's going to need to flick up his jumping a fair bit. Yeah. 
hundred percent, Dean. Um, and Nick, obviously, I mean, it was he's not even a horse really because there's not much to add there to what Nick said. He he's not a horse that won't have much fears for Cheltenham either. I mean, he's raced there five times. He's won three times. He was sixth in a champion hurdle last year. He probably just wasn't quite up to that standard. But the Arkle, it's hard to weigh up exactly how good it is. So you cannot discount that form. And he is the one going forward, Dean, that has probably done the most of them all, bar foot pad. But we won't see him till Christmas, really, will we? No, probably not. Not probably not. And it was a difficult uh, weekend, wasn't it, for for Colin Tizard with the way that Finian's Oscar ran, and then Fox Norton getting beaten by Politologue. I was going to move on to to that race now, and and the way that that Tizard perhaps has campaigned those two horses. Interesting now that Fox Norton likely to go for King George, and we'll come on to that. But Finian's Oscar, they found out about the Arkle question at that point, Demo, didn't they? That maybe that was a rush decision to see which trip they were going to go down. It was a strange decision. Uh, they had him in at Cheltenham the the next week. Oh over to a more suitable trip um, they probably just thought he was a monster which he probably is but he just he looks so uncomfortable the whole, whole way around um, as Nick said you know he did win a tollwork but there wasn't a whole pile in that race going forward he's a very very interesting horse over three miles now because he probably will go to a Feltham and then moving on to Fox Norton I just thought Fox Norton was beaten on the day by Politolo who jumped and travelled really really well I mean I thought Robbie Power maybe gave him a small bit to do but Politologue had the race put to bed. I mean, he's a horse that, to underestimate Politologue, is a very dangerous thing, as we said on the podcast before. He's really improving. And, I mean, now with Duvan out of the race, Altior, there is question marks. This could be another year, kind of like dodging bullets, where Politologue is just able to kind of pick it up. But that's not saying that he's not a top-class two-miler either, Dean. Nick, what did you make of, of Fox Norton's running there? And has Politologue, you know, stepped out of that red-hot JLT that we all remember from last year and perhaps put himself at the top of the pile of the horses that came out of there? I mean, Paul Nichols does fantastic things with horses of that ilk. He could be the next one. Yeah, I don't see any reason not to look at it in a fairly straightforward way, really. Um, Fox Norton's a really classy horse, and if he goes and takes a hand in what looks a hot King George, then you know that he's a horse who did incredibly well, then therefore finished second in a Tingle Creek, however weak the Tingle Creek might have been. And I'm inclined to believe that at two miles at this stage, Politologue is a a better suited horse for that sort of um, challenge than is Fox Norton. Whereas over a little bit further, I think Fox Norton, we know Fox Norton's a genuine genuine grade one horse. So uh, although he was odds on and he was beaten, he wasn't beaten far. He was beaten by a fast improving progressive horse who's in the right hand. And I'm, I'm inclined to take that result at face value at that distance on that day, really. I don't think there was a hard luck story. And if I was Fox Norton's connections, I wouldn't be that disappointed. He still ran a good race. And if he, he, we know he's going to be able to travel in the King George. And if he does stay three miles around Kempton, then yeah, he's, he's a, an, an interesting, interesting runner for sure. Yeah, he will be over the Christmas period, of course, in that King George. I might move on to uh, some of the champion hurdle contenders, and we might see one or two out as well over Christmas, hopefully, if they make their intended engagements. Uh, we've seen Forheen and Bouvardaire now, Nick. What did you make of their two runs? I think, you know, we're all very visually impressed with what Forheen did. Bouvardaire perhaps had maybe less on his plate in the way that he was ridden, but he still did it in good fashion. They flip-flopped in the market this week for Champion Hurdle. It's an interesting time, isn't it? A two-horse race, Nick, or will, it, will something come out of the clouds? It looks that way at this stage, doesn't it? Particularly as the vibe from the Henderson camp are that Bouvardaire has significantly improved. And indeed, Barry Geraghty said that just on the way that the feel he gave him when winning what you quite rightly identify a fairly thin edition of the fighting fifth but the way he sprinted up the running was quite taking and 
he was an impressive winner of the champion hurdle last year. And let's not forget what the horse he beat did at the weekend, my ten to yours. So um, it, it's, it, it might just be that at the time, because there wasn't a Fahin in the race, we underestimated Bubo Dare's significant ability. He's bred to be a very good horse. He's a half-brother to punches down. And if you remember when Nicky Henderson had punches down, he used to purr about him. He perhaps never quite delivered on the on the promise that he initially showed. But, yeah, the pedigree's there, the performance is there. He was very impressive in the champion hurdle after a campaign that didn't go as it had originally been planned in terms of his switch back from chasing to hurdling. So now they've got a sort of clearer a shot at what they're doing, and the Christmas hurdle looks his, his for the taking. I can sort of see why he's he's favourite for the champion hurdle, because it's hard to envisage that Fahin is going to be a significantly better horse than he was when he won the race two or three years ago. Yeah, and... That is 100%. I mean, when you look at it as well, the actual time he put up last year was very comparable to Annie Power's time, and he carried seven pounds more. I mean, you know, it was a proper, proper performance. The the line through went into yours. And I think sometimes, as horse racing fans, we can run away with the, the, the very flashy types. And you've got the likes of Bouverdere, who kind of just gets the job done. He's a very impressive traveller and jumper. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the horse. But sometimes he can be disrespected. I think he is being disrespected as um, overall because it's being deemed as a poor champion hurdle. He's not being held in the light that he should be. And I think um, I think the market has it right now, Dean. I hope Faheen is okay. But I think as, as the prices go, he's the right price. It's not likely to change over the Christmas period, is it, for those two, even if they make their intended targets, which they should do at Kempton and at Leopardstown. If they go out and do what we expect them to do, you'd expect it to stay the same, Dermot, wouldn't you? You would definitely, Dean. Um, I think the, the worry would be that the one of them might just throw in a perler of a performance. But if the two of them show up against the fields that they're meant to at Christmas, you'd expect them both to win and both to win comfortably. And I'd imagine the market probably would remain the same, albeit, you know, you could have um, if Faheen does appear and wins well in the Ryanair hurdle. You could imagine that a few of the um, of the Willie lovers, as we call them, would um, might start backing him well. But I I still think Boober there should be favoured. I think he's the one to beat. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Foheen can back up that visually impressive and, and, and certainly look like the old Foheen of himself performance when he did return. So we've got that to look forward to over Christmas and maybe those two races won't merit much more discussion uh, than that. Let's talk about the, the Gold Cup picture. Uh, Nick, I think last time you were on the podcast, I led you in with the, the fact that you were massively keen on sizing John to win last year's Gold Cup. What we saw on return, to my eye, looked like he's improved. Yeah, and he's still, he's still not favourite for the race at Leverstown over Christmas for some bizarre reason. I mean, I I completely accept that York Hill is a a very talented horse indeed, but Sizing John is a remarkable talent. There are very very few horses in recent history that have won the Gold Cup and have then come back the following season and won a good race over a distance shy of three miles. And normally once a horse has established its credentials over three and a quarter, you've sort of got them pegged in terms of what they can do speed versus stamina-wise. And the thing we know about Sizing John, and we knew from all those good runs behind Duvan before he stepped up in trip, was that he was a horse that, that wasn't short of pace. But he's, he's got that deadly combination now of being economical with his jumping, fast, and with the ability to and apparently handle any type of ground. He must be one of the most bomb-proof, versatile horses in training. And why he is not favourite for the race over the Christmas period, I honestly don't know. He's kind of being disrespected, Nick, a small bit like Bouverdere, isn't it? Just uh, 
he doesn't seem to have the the love of the public for some reason because he's he's won three gold cups now and as you say over that trip I mean it's only the likes of Cato Starr really that, that kind of came out and did that over a shorter trip thereafter wasn't it? The only horses I could think of that had done that over a, a trip shy of their, their gold cup trip thereafter were Desert Orchid best mate Corto Star. Yeah and like and some trio I, and, and that just shows you the attributes that he's got he's still an incredibly young horse as well he's been around a while and he's running a lot of good races so people I think are tending to think of him being slightly more advanced than he is in terms of his his age but he, he's, he's only seven coming eight he's a he's a, a proper exciting horse still for the rest of this season um, he's a he, he's got to be respected anywhere he goes yep 100%. The pitch is going to take a lot more shape as well over over the Christmas period, and you mentioned uh, York Hill will likely take on Size and John, and that's going to put someone in their place, or perhaps it won't. We'll find out when the when the race takes place. But it's one of the ones to look forward to over the Christmas period. I mean, there there has been some some kind of I would say relatively unheralded horses come out and do very well in the in the previous just couple of months gone. Willoughby Court might be one I'd mentioned to to demo. I think you put him up in your tent to follow, and you're a big fan of the horse. He He's come out and done everything right, hasn't he? He has. Uh, I think people can run away sometimes again with, with the likes of what Yanbert did against him last time. Yanbert clambered around, but Yanbert chased him home and got within three lengths of him, but the race was over. I mean, Willie B. Court had things all, all tied up. Um, worry sometimes with this horse about what his actual trip is, uh, but I think two mile four, maybe forcing it, will be his way forward. And he just looked very, very good. He jumps the fence very naturally. I mean, he got over what was a scratchy debut, uh, but going right-handed, he just won't go right-handed yet again. And last time at Newbury, he just looked very good. He looked very comfortable jumping a fence. And at Cheltenham, I mean, from all of a sudden, I was tweeting earlier on this season saying that the novice uh, chases looked a bit thin on the ground. All of a sudden, they are looking a bit stacked. You know, you have debt duty... Will he be caught? Finian's Oscar will be dancing between two mile four and three miles. I imagine three miles might be his um, his repertoire. But overall, they are looking very, very packed now. And, and will he be caught? Will be right up the top of them, Dean. He'll be right up at the top of them for me as well. I mean, the likes of, of Death Duty, of course, doing very, very well in Ireland. I think that one, they've, they've made the comment that it probably won't run over three miles at all. It could be a red-hot JLT, Nick, couldn't it? It's shaping up the way that maybe even the typical RSA horses of the past will, will go JLT and give us a, a super race. Yeah, and it was a very good race last year, of course, as you said, with, um, with York Hill beating Top Notch. Willoughby Court's a, a very good horse, clearly, and, and uh, all the talk after the Newbury race was of Yanworth. I'm not really yeah. sure why. Yanworth ran a, ran a good race for me. You know, he, he maybe just lacks a little bit of scope and reach of one or two more imposing chasers, but he still showed his class to make up the ground he did between three out and two out, um, or three out and the last, and then Willoughby Court went away from him again. It might just be, again, rather boringly, it might just be one of those cases of got beaten by better horse shock. Um, <laughs> Uh, Willoughby Court might might land up being a, a gold cup horse for next year, and suddenly Yamworth second to him won't look so bad at all. No, it won't. And Yamworth is a, is a horse now that you've mentioned him. That if he did put in a full round of jumping where he wasn't as scratches, perhaps you know maybe his scope doesn't allow him to do that. But if he did get it right, Alan King seems nailed to the mast that he, there's no there's no even inclination of going back to hurdles. He, he's an RSA horse on engine alone. If he could get his jumping together, he might even look a bit of value come the day. Yeah, again, he's not a slow horse, but we saw at Aintree when he won that three-mile race beating Super Sunday, who was in great form, that he's a horse with probably bottomless stamina. So, 
I, I agree with you. I, I, I definitely be inclined to take a more positive view of Yanworth than a negative one. His career record, you know, eleven wins from from seventeen starts, and when he stood up, the very few horses who aren't of significant ability have beaten him. Yeah, I'd agree, and I think I think. Alan King maybe made his bed he's going to lie in it it might actually work out exactly how he wants it to work out come festival time is there any horses that anyone else wants to pick up um, that you know maybe aren't engaged over Christmas but have, have kind of put the right markers down for something later on in the spring yeah well I mean we couldn't do a season review Dean without mentioning uh, Sam Crow. obviously he's looking absolutely machine no matter how much Michael O'Leary is trying to keep saying that he's not I think the fact that Jack Kennedy was on RTE during the week again and he was saying that he's the best horse that he's ever sat on uh, Sam Crow does look different gear um, and likes a Mengli Khan as well I mean Gordon seems to have the right novice hurdlers with him this season and we'll see Mengli Khan over Christmas but it's been a very good season all around really so far uh, I was disappointed with Brainpower last time I genuinely thought of that performance at Kempton that he could have stepped up and I think the story of my season ha- has been Vision Day Flow and what's gone wrong with him at uh, Colin Tizard's Dean he just doesn't seem to be the same horse as he was with uh, Robert Tyner last season yeah, one of the disappointments, really, of your early season hopes. Nick, anything you might pick out that it, you know, maybe we won't see over Christmas time? I guess if they're good enough, they're running there. But if, they're, if they've been caught your eye in the meantime? Well, I was very impressed with um, Nicky Henderson's um, juvenile hurdler at Doncaster that won the, that won the summit the other day. We have a dream. Oh, sorry, we have a dream. Uh, we have a dream. I mean, Apple Shakira, she did, she did the job nicely enough at, at Chelsea, but she was tens on and, and yeah. had probably didn't re- repeat the form of her win in the in the race in the Bet Victor meeting. For me, she looks as though she, she's going to want soft ground to be seen at her best. I think she's just got that very very high relentless cruising speed and slick jumping ability in soft ground, a bit like a sister Apple Jade. It's not to say she can't go on quicker ground, but I think. She's one of those that's going to produce an absolute eyeballs out route when the ground's easy, uh, when they go fast over two. I think we have a dream that looks a slightly pacier horse to me in the summit. Love the way he jumped. I, I don't think the second to mug already had a rating of 132 and it kicked him into touch. The third was 17 lengths back and was a 90 odd rated flat horse. And even the fourth, it was 14 lengths behind that rated 121 so I know these juvenile hurdlers get ridiculously elevated ratings but I think we have a dream is the is the horse who looks the clubhouse leader to me in the triumph hurdle division anyway yeah and it's not on you know it's not unusual for Nicky to have that animal in the locker is it no I know and we've seen it before he's quite happy to run two or three I and mean, one year he had the first second and third home when he go beat top notch in our game that's yeah. right that's right I mean he is a man for those slick quick little speed bullets that come out and uh, make the triumph look very easy so there, there's one for the uh, well if we don't see it over Christmas we'll see it soon and we'll, probably it is rightly as Nick says at the top of that tree let's talk about some of the Christmas racing then that is coming up I guess we have to start uh, with the with the showpiece the King George of course at Kempton on uh, St. Stephen's Day and Boxing Day depending on what side of the pond you're on um, I'm really looking forward to seeing to seeing Mike buy it back around Kempton I know he had that fall under Daryl Jacob in the, in the Feltham last year when he was clocking some amazing time uh, his RSA performance marks him out as one with all the quirks that you need to fall in love with a horse and he's going to face a select field 10 supposed to line up but it looks a very very hot race Nick are you are you a Mike Bite fan or you would you be looking to take him on? I'm a massive Mike Bite fan massive Mike Bite fan I was a fan 
all through last season, all through the RSA, even after the RSA, through Aintree. Comeback at Sandown was excellent. Henderson says he's working like a better horse. And I, I see no reason why he shouldn't go and, and win the King George. If, if you're someone who doesn't like horses at skinny prices, you will be looking elsewhere. And I'm sure we'll come on to the other contenders. I've got one or two ideas of horses who I think might run well and might not run quite so well. But um, if you're asking me whether, I'm a, whether I'd be instinctively a player or layer, as regards my bite, I'd definitely be in the former camp. Yeah, Dean, I would eat the exact same. I just think there's absolutely no reason why he can't win this. I mean, he was on course to knocking up a serious time last season when he came a proper, or a cropper even, but you could probably put a small bit of jockey blame on that one. But uh, Nick covered it all. He's an absolute class horse. I was the opposite last season. I, I really didn't like him, but I fell in love with him in the RSA. I fell more so at Aintree and Sandown last time. He just looked a smarter and a, a much more together horse. Uh, he took a lead. He did everything right, and I think if there's any bit of small improvement in him, he he takes the world of beating. Yeah, he is going to take some stopping if if the might bite on A1 form and behaviour turns up, which is no reason why he shouldn't do. We've seen him uh, already just 44 days ago, of course, so he's, he's fit and well. Now, if you are, as Nick alluded to, one of those people who likes to take on the shorter price horses in the bigger race, I'd normally be one as well. And do you know what makes me sick is that I think on this podcast, demo before the Cheltenham Festival last year, we highlighted that if you like might bite for an RSA, he's 25 to 1 for next year's King George. None of us took our own advice. So the back him at around 11 to 8 or 6 to 4 whatever he is at the moment uh, it does feel a bit odd uh, Nick I'm going to go to you and ask you if you are one of those people which one are you going to take him on with and on what basis well horses I think might run well we've already talked about Fox Norton if he stays I think he'll be in the three um, Whisper will get a cute ride from Davy Russell and will probably run his race but I just think he'll lack a little bit of tactical speed with the likes of Thistle Crack, Might Bite, Bristle de May, all forcing the issue. Um, and I, I, I've no reason to think that Might Bite's going to capitulate. I suspect he'll just keep going longer than the others. So I think Fox Norton Whisper are candidates for the places. Uh, Bristle de May is an intriguing horse. I think he's probably the horse I'm most looking forward to seeing running in a way because none of us really know what to make of the Haydock run. Was this a, a brand new Bristle de May? Or was he just massively favoured by the conditions? Or a little bit of both? I suspect he's made significant improvements since last year. But whether or not he can win a battle toward the front end of a race with one of the most powerful, aggressive, galloping front runners in the country in Mike Bite, and one of the horses that produced one of the most powerful, aggressive front-running performances in recent history in last year's race in Thistlecrack is a moot point. And I suspect he might not be able to. Yeah, no, again, all that makes absolutely perfect sense. The one horse that I'm really, really looking forward to in this as well is the one thing I am concerned about is, as Nick said, the, the pace on the front end is going to be red hot. But Disco deserves his chance here as well. He, he was very good last time. He was brilliant over three miles. A punch down last season at the end of the day. We were there. He put away Annabelle Fly. He put away Balco de Flow. He put them away very, very easy. Balco de Flow, of course, came out and won a Galway plate during the summer. Um, Disco will turn up here. To be honest, I think he's every right to to finish second in this. Uh, I I still think myself that Mike Bite's going to have them all hard at it. Two out. Uh, Fox Norton is the potential fly in the ointment. I believe. I think Tisselcrack. Very interesting to, to hear what Tom Scudamore said during the week that he thought that the the verve was still there in the horse and that the intrigue and everything else was still there. That he was full of life. He just didn't have the fitness. But that did go against everything that 
Colin Tizar was saying on the run up to the race. So it's very hard to see where Tisselcrack is is going to slot into this. And if he does, of course, he's very intriguing. Uh, Whisper ran a monster of a performance last year. I loved him last time. And David Russell, as Nick said, he will be doing a very cool ride like he did at Aintree last year, Dean, when he gave my pie every single chance to run out that day. But I think Disco, a 10 to 1. Um, I'd be looking forward to seeing the without market because I don't think he'll be too far out of his class here and he could be one for the first, for the tree. I'd be backing him each way anyway, Dean, if all these horses were to turn up. That love still remains out there for the thistle crack and, and of course it should do. I, do. I wonder whether he might be a bit of, you know, the housewives plunge on the day and you know, should he be written off at a six to one chance for this this race no. on the base? He shouldn't be, should he? No, he shouldn't. Have no, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. And if you if you set off if you ten minutes after last year's race, you said Thistlecrack's going to turn up here next next year, and he'll have only run twice <laughs> subsequently, and he's going to be a thirteen to two shot, seven to one shot. People would have been falling over in amazement. And we know things haven't gone his way, but he set up broke down. But he he essentially had a problem when he was second to many clouds in that race at Cheltenham. And then, who knows what to make of the comeback. I must admit, I was rather disappointed. But having viewed it again and looked at the head-on, the one good thing was that at least he ran straight to the line. You know, it's not like he, he collapsed his way through the last flight of hurdles and staggered drunkenly up the running. He was running. He just didn't seem to have quite the, the gas in the latter part of the race to, to match the enthusiasm he showed through the first part of it. So if, if, it, if it was just simply a question of fitness, you are of a forgiving nature than Grant but um, you, you, you do have to take a little bit off track I do think as well that if Colin Tizard had come out before we saw him return to track this season say do you know what I'm going to err on the side of caution I'm going to tell you he's going to need the run he's he's okay he's fine but he's definitely going to come on bundles for it instead of saying that he looked to be a one he'd probably be a short enough second favourite for this contest and might he not have a bit more on his plate this time than he had last year not wishing to um, belittle the horses who finished in behind him last year but it was generally received wisdom that Q-Car didn't really run his race and then yeah. you look back to the others who were all in a heat but it was Jossus Hill and Tifa 2 and, 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 and co so um, he may not have had to do an awful lot to win last year's race and the time wasn't great and it was certainly not great in relation to the time that Mike Bite would have put up on the same card yeah, no, 100%. And he sort of danced over them, didn't he? It was a very, very impressive performance. You had Scudamore looking behind, looking for opposition, that kind of stuff. Um, it endears you to, to the way that he won that race. And yeah, I think this race does look hotter. I mean, it's it's a, it's a mini gold couple, but in, in right, really, because over at Leopardstown in the Christmas chase, uh, we're going to be treated to the likes of Size and John, York Hill, uh, Jack Adam, probably Outlander will turn up there. I mean, that race, alongside the King George, is going to answer pretty much all our gold cup questions isn't it what do we what do we think about the leopardstown christmas chase it looks red hot do we think york hill will turn up to this um it'll be a very hard race wouldn't it to introduce him at a senior level it's just kind of funny whether like why he hasn't had some sort of a run in but i suppose his aversion to going right-handed might uh, might be turning him off there but again dean i think if sizing john shows up he's answered the ground questions Jack Adam doesn't quite last year again he, he just didn't quite see out the trip on the ground Outlander could be anything on the day but I, I think he, he rather picked up a poor Lexus last season and then after that then you have the likes of Vulture Leader um, Road to Respect Empire of Dirt just kind of none of them really appeal to me as being horses that could go on to win a Gold Cup the only horse that I'm interested in this field um, apart from Sizing John obviously if York Hill shows up but Coney Island Dean was one that I had down 
for the RSA last season he didn't quite make it there but he could be a potentially very smart horse but I definitely wouldn't be taking on size and John here do you? Well, if there is one lurking in Ireland that has potential to step up into the Gold, pit, gold Cup picture, I think Coney Island has to be thrown into the mix as a, a bit of an unknown. I mean, Nick, do you think York Hill, I don't want you to second guess and we don't know, York Hill turn up against Size and John two horse race? If it doesn't turn up, Size and John will be short. Yeah, the one horse that uh, Dermot mentioned there that I think sort of warrants a, a little bit of a nod is a horse I've been fond of for some time, Val Salido. I mean,. I don't know what sort of shape he's in now. We clearly haven't seen him for quite some time, nearly a year now since he was disappointing second favourite in the race last year. Uh, but he was very impressive on his first start for Henry de Bromhead, even though he didn't have an awful lot to beat. He's a horse who's always travelled and jumped well. You know, look at his form. He, the horses that beat him early in his career were for the Vator and Jackadam. And he, he's, a, he's a really smart animal. And if they manage to get him back, I think there, there probably is a big race still in him somewhere down the track. He's a, tri- a three-time grade one winner, and he's still only an eight-year-old. So if he's back on point, I still think he's quite an interesting an interesting player when everyone's forgotten about him. Do you know what I mean? And he's a 12-14 to one shot in the Christmas chase at Leopardstown. And if you were looking for a horse to finish placed, if you could take his fitness on trust, I think he's quite an interesting runner. Yeah, he would be an interesting runner. But if those top two do turn up, Size and John and York Hill, uh, which way would you have them betting, Nick? I'm going to guess you'd have Size and John as favourite. Oh, yeah. Expect him to win. We mentioned, this at the, we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. And actually, with some firms now, he is he is favourite Size and John. And York Hill's just eased out a little bit. But when betting opened, York Hill was favourite. I definitely have Size and John's favourite here. He's rated higher. He's a triple gold cup winner. He's unbeaten in his last goodness knows how many starts. He's a, he really is an absolutely tremendous animal. Termo, would you be siding with Size and John against York Hill and they pitch up in this, uh, in this Christmas chase? Yeah, I'd be siding with, I'd be siding with Size and John yeah. over anyone at the moment. I mean, simply put, he's, um, he's the best horse in the field for what he's done at, at this juncture. And uh, York Hill, yes, he won a red hot, um, a red hot JLT. He still has to come up through that level He's like an under-18 soccer player now trying to step up to senior at the moment. And whilst he's an absolute freak talent, no doubt about it, I would just be very surprised if Willie Mullins was to chuck York Hill in here on his first run of the season. It just goes against all form for that trainer, Dean. At which point makes Size and John look a rather big price right now, doesn't it? Yeah. It really, really does. does, okay. Uh, I might stick with the chases, actually, and one of the races that perhaps lacks the, the class of the two we've just discussed, but will be none less competitive and uh, interesting for, for punters, of course, is the, is the Coral Welsh Grand National uh, goes to post on the 27th of December. That's at Chepstow, uh, for a race that you know some of my friends have managed to pick up in terms of, of Kerry Lee and, of course, with her dad before that, Richard Lee. They'll, they'll have a couple of runners in there. Uh, the horse that stood out on its reappearance run for Nicky Henderson, Beware the Bear, is going to top the market there and probably rightly so it's quite a remarkable run the last day Nick I assume you've had a look at this Welsh National in advance and I don't know what you make of the race but I thought Beware the Bear rightly at the top of the market for my money Yeah now is he definitely going to run here because he's got an entry at Ascot hasn't he at the weekend the only thing I think about Beware the Bear is I don't I wouldn't want to see too much rain for him in the next in the next week or so now he is a winner on heavy ground but it was in a small field at Bangor and I don't think he wants it bottomless. I think he's better on on a slightly sounder surface uh, at this sort of distance. Anyway, I'd be worried about I'd be worried about him three miles five on bottomless ground. But the forecast okay, I think, if they go here. But he is in Ascot at the weekend, so 
I'll be interested to see which way they go. Well, if he doesn't pitch up, then the, the market's going to open up. I mean, he's around there, an eight to one top of the shops there, so it's not like it's a it's yeah. a compressed market because of him. But if he doesn't come in, then they're going to be plenty vying for favouritism because there's a bit of a muchness yeah. behind him. A little bit. I mean, uh, Chase the Spud, I think, is quite a solid option on the basis that we know that he stays and it won't matter if they get a, a load of rain and it turns into a real test. But when was the last Welsh National that wasn't a real test? You know, even if they say the forecast is good, it always still seems to be pretty soft and they're strung out all over all over um, Wales. So I, I, I think Chase's spot is a fairly solid one um, towards the head of the market. Others I would, I would be interested in. One would be American if he turns up because I just think everything happened too quickly for him in the Ladbrook. He wants slow ground and a strong test of stamina at which he has got a little bit of class. And I wouldn't worry about the mark of 157. I think he still remains an interesting horse. He's a 14, 16 to one shot. I think that's a big price. The other one that's quite interesting if he goes there is binge drinker for Paul Nichols. We never see the horse. I mean, he's only run twice in the last, two and three quarter years but he actually shaped way way better than the 41 length beating that he got in the trial race at Chepstow last time and if he stepped forward for that he again is not a horse that I would easily um, knock out of calculations so there's a few to think about Dermo, anyone you want to pick out in that field? I mean, you can talk about Beware the Bay if that's what you like. But again, of course, he is, he's doubly engaged over the next few days. So we'll find out where he does go. Uh, perhaps rightly top of the market, but what do you like? It was a ferocious performance last time. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just, again, it's just, it's short enough, I mean, for what he did with the saddle slip last time. One question for Nick. Nick, um, American, do you not think um, he has an aversion to, to, to big fields? Is that a, an issue or am I just being, am I overreading it? To be honest, I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure there's enough... There's a, I don't think we've got an, a, 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 a body of evidence, really, to, to know whether that's the case or not. I mean, his his career record has been um, only blemished twice. Once in a, a novice hurdle at Ferry House, there were 12 runners there, but I don't think you could say that. No, you couldn't say that's a big field. No, of course not. One eight nine runner races. And then, you know, last time at Newbury... It, was the first time he'd faced a, a field of any any significant size or, or anything he'd, he'd likely to get in the Welsh National. Uh, I, as I say, I just think it's too early to, to, yeah. to draw a hard and fast conclusion. But all his best form has come on and very, yeah. very strong ground. And his performance at Newbury last year would definitely put him in the picture for this. But the one I like, I just kind of think he's a handicapper, Dean, that, that just might just be going the right way. And he was second to the aforementioned Chase's Spud last time. It was Mr. E for, uh, for Michael School. Scudamore, he'll have Robbie Dunn on his back who's shown how good he is in big fields. I think Robbie Dunn is one of the most underrated jockeys out there. The, the ride that year when he finished uh, second in the Grand National or third, was it? When he, he should have came down at Beatrice Brook and managed to stay on. It was a, a Jack Kennedy type uh, revival and he'll have him on his back. He won the Eider Chase and he'll get in here of 139. He was second last time um, at Utoxeter behind Chase the Spud. That's a huge performance now after what's has happened there afterwards and at 14 to 1 I think the race will suit um, I think as Nick said even when the forecast is good this is still a very very tough race there won't be all all that many finishers and I think Mystery really really could be one that, that he won't stop at the end 
Yeah, I, I can see that. I like that horse as well. I think that'll have that'll probably run well at a double figure price. Actually, mystery. I thought there was an interesting runner in there for Evan Williams. I don't know if anyone's ever heard Evan Williams talk about Pobbles Bay, but I know he likes it a lot. And I thought um, it won on this card. I think the the year previous. It's running off one four four. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him in his comeback run, but. He's around 16 to 1. I think Pobbles Bay, if he puts it all together in a race like this, certainly got certainly got the engine for a Welsh national. It'll be interesting to see how he runs. But beware the bear. If he does turn up, I think there might be plenty of market support behind Nicky Henderson's at the top of that market. Now, I might run you through some more of the penalty kick type options <laughs> over the Christmas period. I think it's fair to say that we're going to be treated to some very nice horses, but they might not have uh, the toughest races in front of them. Something like the Racing Post Novice Chase, um, which goes to post as well on Stevens's Day Boxing Day footpad uh, who we've we've briefly mentioned already at the start of this of this podcast uh, two to one on chance to just go and get the job done there you can I think you can rule out the lack of death duty won't be pitching up against him you'd imagine um, that could be a very small field but from what we've seen of footpad already uh, penalty kick looks this looks like option number one yeah and look he'll get the soft ground that I'm convinced he wants or needs really I think the fear for anyone after this race is that he probably will put up a monstrous performance you would then have people rushing in to back him anti-post for an article and as we've mentioned already with the Henry V chase I think the English form is every bit as good this year as the Irish form obviously um, he's taken on Tombstone here we know what Tombstone is Footpad would have been of a similar ilk to him over hurdles but I just think Footpad as Willie Mullen said is the best chaser he's ever had so Footpad should win it but we're not going to all we're going to know Dean is that he's still living and he's still breathing really yeah Nick and probably nothing to add to Footpad that they're going to go and get the no, job done no. we'd imagine agreed he's got his conditions and Willie Mullen has got uh, Rath Binder in the race as well it'll be interesting to see whether he runs him I presume we'll only get one of the Elliott runners and I think we, we move on don't we yeah let's move on Desert Orchid Chase then Politologue again looking like he'd go off an odds on shot uh, on Wednesday 27th of December um, Special Tiara could pitch up their side of Gruji still on uh, well in the market there Undersoa she won't go Fox Norton won't go we're not going to be treated to a very small field again are we but Politologue maybe in his pomp would just uh, rattle this off this could this would actually uh, be yeah. a, a lovely test for Politologue actually if he met Special Tiara wouldn't it uh, would it? I, I suppose so. It depends on, on what you think Special Tiara is capable of, of this, this year. I mean, I, that was a brilliant, brilliant win in the uh, in the champion chase, and it was it was thoroughly worthy and, and what have you. But um, I don't know. I, I can't keep going. I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether on his, on the basis of his comeback run at Cheltenham, you, you could fancy him to to come here and win again. That's a yeah, race, though. Nicky always flops in, isn't it? Yeah, where did he finish in it last year? I can't remember. You're yeah, he was right. fourth or fifth again third last, last year. Yeah. year as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Third in the same race last year. Yeah. 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 Maybe so and on better ground. Maybe who knows? I would. I would. For for me, I would be very disappointed if Politologue can't put Special Tiara in his place after what we've seen from Politologue and the and the trajectory that he is on. If that was the case, it would open up a lot of question marks. I think about where that horse will figure um, come festival time. Yeah, 100% Dean. Yeah. I just think Special Tiara going for the front could be quite interesting Maybe against another, him as a new test, but he should definitely be winning it. Maybe another learning curve for Politolo because, you know, he's he's definitely improving and, and just, you know, finding that finding that will to win as he did against Fox Norton, I thought was very impressive. So if Special Tiara gives him a different test, that would that would be an interesting way to look at that contest. Um, one that we hope we see Politolo go and, uh, and dance away with it. Um, there are a couple of very interesting horses out. Um, Min, who 
we've seen already this term look full of himself absolutely bullish likely to take in uh, the Paddy's Rewards Club chase of course at Leopardstown um, he's going to go off a very sh- short price I guess he'd take on the likes of Ordinary World and Baldark there but I mean the bigger question mark for me rather than this race is where do they go with him festival time so assuming he goes and does the job in this contest um, which race do you think would be the right one for him at Cheltenham it, it's rather dictated for him now isn't it I mean he'll be going two miles with under so staying over the uh, the Ryanair trip and, and rightfully so I mean it's just hard to get a grip on Min it's hard to know exactly how good he is I know he slammed Ordinary World and Ordinary World finished third in the Arca last year but Ordinary World would have been fourth had um, had Charbel not come asunder uh, Min very interesting he'll win this again but going into the Queen Mother Champion chase my point again Dean is Polito Oak has done more than Min has and I'd imagine on the day with with, with, with the Rich Richie colours etc Min could find himself further down the market than Polito but I would happily take Min on with Polito going forward Dean Nick what do you make of Min and what you've seen already and assuming that this isn't too much of a test is he a Queen Mum horse? Yeah, he's he's good enough to to take his hand in the Queen Mother Champion Chase for sure. You know, any horse who can split Altior and Bouva Dare in a two mile hurdle race at Cheltenham then is is going to be a horse that's going to be able to be competitive in this, this trip in just about any division. And there's nothing about the way he he goes to suggest that he he obviously wants to go further, even though he yep. stayed the two and a half pretty well at Goran Park last time. I, it he he's obviously very talented. This is a season where we'd like to see him run a few more times for sure and just really establish himself. Um, I'm sure he'll end up in the champion chase for the reasons that Demo's already given out. Just on a general point, it just seems a shame. We've got Min, we've got Politolog, we've got Special Tiara. It's Christmas time. Why can't we see them all in the same race? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Race? Well, there's yeah. too many options, Nick. I mean, I think that's the problem, isn't it? With, it's the same with Faheen and Boubadet. I just think the, I think now, because because the power in, in Ireland is so strong and is the equivalent, if not better, than the depth of, of, of runner in, in Great Britain it would be fantastic and maybe I'm just being selfish from a British point of view but it would be fantastic if the authorities in both countries could get together and formulate something like a, like the European pattern but over jumps so actually your choices were either the two mile chase in somewhere in Ireland one day or the two mile hurdle in somewhere in England the other day or vice versa so we'd actually all in, in both nations be able to enjoy a clutch of really good quality horses meeting over the Christmas period in a top race before we get to Cheltenham. I don't see anything wrong with that because the the incidence of fives on, six on, sevens on shots going for these good races is just getting ridiculous now and, and it's making the sport at the top level quite dull with a few really notable exceptions. I just, I just wonder whether that setup is ever, ever likely to happen Nick I think it makes so much sense in terms of the punter and the viewer and we want to see those battles but you know trainers got to stay in business sponsors got to stay uh, getting their meetings with the with the right horses in if you you get it in the king george and you to a degree you're going to get it in that christmas chase where those two options exist and you've got at least one side of the pond going one place and one side of the pond going the other place so you've got you can amalgamate those races and consider all the all the results that come out of them with with all this racing here just think it's just never likely to be on the cards is it imagine it could happen but i can't see it I think there would have to be some, as I say, I think there would have to be some sort of um, accord between the two racing authorities to actually try and build a uh, build a pattern at the very top level of racing, even if it's just at grade one level, that 
means that both countries are assured of the most competitive racing at grade one level in the weeks leading up to Cheltenham yeah. as well as at Cheltenham and at Aintree and at Punchestown yeah etc yeah I mean, we used to be treated, and I'm old enough to remember, you know, battles of, of these horses going at it three or four times a year. And that's where you'd get, you know, they might end up 2-2 at the end, but why wow, you've had a great season. Well, precisely. Precisely. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of it is, uh, is dependent on the, the extent to which Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott are prepared to travel horses to, to Britain, and they have done on many occasions and very successfully in the past, but... It's also beholden on the on the British trainers to start travelling horses to Ireland more. I mean, there's some terrific prize money on. It's not exactly that far away, and I I I don't understand why more why more British horses don't run in Ireland. But oh, there you go. I mean, I. I I, I I could bang on about this all, all day and it would be very boring. Well, I would say definitely over the past five or six years, that's where the gap's been. People like Pacquiao at Leopardstown go out and, and do their best efforts to get English horses to come over. But I think that that's where the gap's been, in that the English trainers won't send them over. Uh, we have more big guns go from Ireland over to the UK. So it's a very good point. Unfortunately, <laughs> Mengli Khan's next horse I wanted to talk about, who's likely to face quite a simple option in the future champions' novices hurdle, uh, around a six to five shot in the betting at the moment I guess it'd be interesting to see him take on the likes of early doors who I don't think we'd be done with yet as a, as a proposition going forward Sharjah who's been very impressive uh, you've got very good bumper horses in there like Carter McKay and Gedderbird that race maybe has a bit more teeth in it than just Mengli Khan to talk about yeah I mean you've real steel as well who put up a monstrous performance last time um, in the all blue red air colours actually the Sullivan ownership and he'd be very interesting this is a proper test for Mangley Khan I know the last day worked out very well and he, he destroyed them um, I still think that race rather fell apart Lerichburg just didn't seem to get into the race and early doors finished second who had every right to, I mean that horse was third in the um, in the Land Rover bumper a punch down last year so he was carrying some very decent form in with him and he beat Mary David the time before so early doors was definitely underestimated in that race he's beaten the right horses and he finished a very gallant second especially after making an absolute horlicks of the second last but Mengli Khan for me has, is by far the most exciting and for some reason I think he's being a small bit disrespected by the Supreme Market he's 7-8-1 on what he's done so far I think he's far clear of the rest of that field and if he gets through this relatively unscathed, I think, Dean, uh, I'd be licking my lips coming tell them. Nick, what did you make of Mengli Khan at, at Fairy House? It was a, it was an achievement. I think Gordon Elliott referenced it, actually, that this horse had made the track in its earlier days. Was it with Hugo Palmer? And that yeah. He's a bit of a monster. He is. He's a big, big and uh, imposing horse. And I remember watching him win a, an 11 furlong race on the all-weather at Kempton a couple of years ago. Well, well actually, not, not even a couple of years ago, was it? It was probably actually just last autumn. And he looked, his, I think, the first time since he'd been gelded. He really looked the business. I thought he would really go on from that. Um, and he only managed one more run uh, on the flat. And that was a pretty creditable effort as well. But he's not looked back since he's been to, to Gordon Elliott. It's a wonderful bit of training by Gordon because he resisted the temptation to start pushing, pushing the buzzer last season when he could have done. You know, he sensibly went quietly with him and just gave him a couple of runs. He ran perfectly well both times. But he's given him another summer to strengthen up, and he really does look the business now. That win at Fairy House is very, very impressive. And he's always a horse you fancy that could handle testing ground well. The, the interesting question, I think, will be when it comes to Cheltenham, whether he'll be as effective on that really much, much slicker surface. But for the time being, I think he can mop up. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I was taken by his size, his scope, his actual attitude. He looked like a real bull. I was at Ferry House and, and had a good look at him in the paddock and he is he's something to behold. He looks like he knows that he might be pretty good as well, which I do like in a horse of that nature. So um, I think, yeah, Gordon has got a very good one in his hands and he might just be about to reap the benefits of that patient approach, as you mentioned, over the over the course of his early bit of time with Gordon, which hasn't actually been that long. Um, we should move on maybe a couple more competitive races to talk about as well. The, the squared financial Christmas hurdle at Leopardstown, if um, if Apple's Jade turns up, has just been remarkable uh, for Gordon Elliott so far this term. Another one of those winners at that fairy house meeting who looks like... The, an animal that he could just place anywhere now he's already on the record of saying I think Martin Pipe told him that you run the horse in the race it can win so probably the mare's race is where it'll end up at Cheltenham but in the meantime it's going to yeah. take a good one in this field to, to dethrone her if she turns up 100% Dean I mean again you've Augusta Catendis who is obviously very interesting you've Jeski of Nichols Canyon but I just think the way she beat Nichols Canyon last time was actually one of her best performances um, she looked like Nichols Canyon was coming together and she just pulled away again She's she just has that lovely attitude I mean she showed it last year and probably the best mare's hurdle there's been in my opinion when she beat um, she beat Vroom Vroom Mag Vroom and Limini, Vroom Limini, yeah. yeah and it was a proper proper race and um, she's a really really good horse and I just think Dean if she rocks up here and she'll get her conditions she wins really doesn't she I guess, I guess she does I, I think she will as well and then maybe it'll be break time give her a little bit of time off and, and let her come back and do her thing in the spring I mean Nick are you looking forward to the, to seeing Apple's Jade here or do you, would you be even remotely interested in taking her on her current pomp not really I, I think Apple's Jade she's not the new Annie Power because she's a very different type of yeah. mare to Annie Power Annie Power was a, a much faster, faster mare fundamentally I think and um had a had a little bit more of a turn of foot, but Apple's Jade is a, a, a mare that's got a very very high cruise. As I said earlier in the program about her grapple Shakira on that soft surface. You when, when she won at Aintree when it was soft ground, forty one lengths. She beat Joseph O'Brien's Triumph Hurdle winner. And Willie Mullins couldn't believe it when he trained her. Then you know, I, I, it's a shame in a sense that so I'm a big fan of those races at Cheltenham because I think they afford opportunities to. The mares and they broaden the program for mares, so it incentivizes people to run mares, which is what the breed needs are stronger and better over time, and it incentivizes people to produce national hunt resources in Britain as well as in Ireland. But um, when you've got one that reaches a certain level, I kind of do think it's beholden on connections to have a go at the biggest races. You know, they got there in the end with Annie Power, but if you talk to Rich Ritchie now and Willie Mullins, they will tell you that they regret, or certainly Rich Ritchie, they will tell you they were not running Annie Power in the champion hurdle two years ago, and they ran a foolishly in the stairs and she got outstayed by more of that um, I, I think if Apple's Jade continues to progress and wins the big race over Christmas in Ireland I would absolutely love to see her in a champion hurdle because yeah. at the end of the day at the moment you've got Fahin and Boomer there and that my friend is it the cupboard <laughs> is there and in receipt of the, the in receipt of the mayor's allowance you know, you, you'd, you'd want to be throwing a decent mayor in there on, on, on the off chance that you, you might be able to get get somewhere close to them you know, he needs one of them to underperform. But, you know, um, Mike Leary keeps saying he wants to win the big races at Cheltenham and not, not what he calls the sort of slightly lesser ones. And he seems completely disinterested in the lesser ones. He only wants to win the big races. Well, in which case, why would you, why would you go and win the mayor's hurdle with her when, when you, could, uh, you, you could arguably be in the shake-up if the rain fell, for example, in a champion hurdle, at least finish in the first, second or, first, second or third. You'd, you'd A, get more money for it, and B, um, get more prestige. 
Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance for history with these horses, isn't there? And it's just, you know, she's gone and done the mess. So I, I, t- I take that on board. I think that's what we'd all love to see. It just doesn't seem to happen often enough. Um, Demo, I mean, you'd be an Apples Jades fan. Should we move on to the, the Paddy Power Chase, which I thought an interesting runner in here was Polly Dan, because if you might remember at, at Punchestown, yeah. they were talking about this horse as if it could be could be gold cup horse turns up in a race that you'd expect to win if it is or has also got the the preamble right this time in, in winning a race he's going to go a favorite for the for the contest i mean there's there's some cracking animals in there that perhaps also haven't shown the full uh, potential they have like the squad tour i think is very interesting maldini of course we know how good he can be on his day and um, polydam is going to go a favorite i think if the vibes are the same as they were um, last year and, and in, in the discussions about Polydam he got off pretty short Dermo do you like this race? Uh, yeah again Dean I mean we were at that Punchestown or pre-Punchestown event last year Dean and they asked um, they asked Paddy Mullins for a horse for, for all the festival and he put this he put this horse up uh, you know he absolutely loves the horse and it makes sense he was very very good uh, the last day I think that actually kind of surprised him I think they thought Acapella Bourgeois was going to win that day and Polydam Rodder did it easier uh, now I know Acapella Bourgeois still pulled for his head and they have to start leaving that horse go off in front and if he was a two turn up here it'd be interesting but obviously it appears like he definitely isn't uh, the money has all come for Oscar Knight um, who ran a good race in this last year he's now 8-1 to one for Thomas Mullins and J.P. McManus there always is um, a J.P. McManus plunge in this race remember Gil Gamboa in this race was it two years ago uh, under Jack Kennedy went very very close and JP loves these big races there'll be, there'll be 9 or 10 of them and one of his outsiders if he was to squeak in is White Arm White Arm is a much better horse than his rating is uh, White Arm is of course with Tony Martin who always has a few horses who are better than their ratings and um, I think White Arm could go very very close at 20 to 1 I'm very interested to see him at that price I think it half means he is fancied if he was to get a run and 123 definitely underestimates this horse if he's allowed and if the handbrake is off Dean um, I think he could go very close yeah he's a horse that when he's actually shown his, uh, his uh, full metal he looks like a powerful animal so White Arm would be an interesting runner in there. Nick what do you think of that contest uh, well you don't you really don't know whether White Arm's going to get a run because at the moment it's 42nd on the list so we yeah. to see the extent to which that, that race cuts up um, yeah for obvious reasons I'd absolutely love it if Edward O'Grady were to win a big race over, over the Christmas period he's got the West I don't know if the horse is an intended runner, but he's young and he's progressive and he won quite a nice chase at Punchestown. So I don't know if the plan is to run. If he does run, he looks as though he could still be ahead of the handicapper from last 140 to me. Um, so he's, I think, quite an interesting runner. Uh, of the slightly more exposed types who perhaps uh, you know, could, could, could go well in a race like this, you'd, you'd have to have a second look at... I, I mean, I know it's the same owner, but I, I'd take a second look at Uccello Conti who's been campaigned the last couple of years very much with the Grand National in mind but yeah. having had a couple of goes at that finished um, finished what did he finish six a couple of years ago and then he was going okay when he unseated but having had a couple of goes you wonder whether they might think right let's bash on and try and win a big race at Christmas this time around is this the race he was in in the past where he got taken the car no, park that was uh, the Thaisi's chase at Gordon and the Jack Rico Jack Rico and he took him there he took him nearly out to the car park and back in again and uh, I don't think Gordon was too pleased afterwards because the horse really could have won that race team with the underground he covered he wasn't far back at the finish whatsoever and it may still be 
that big race in Uccello Conte as, as Nick suggests um, I think it's been you know we've we've pretty much covered the, the races I wanted to talk about over the Christmas period is there any horses that you might want to flag up for a Christmas punt there will be plenty of uh, gambles landed around and uh, and of course at some of the side tracks anything that's caught your eye Damo for the, for the Christmas yeah I saw Tony Keenan tweeting last night and it was very interesting because you know these JP McManus horses can be um, can be laid out for handicaps at a very odd occasion, obviously. Um, but sorted out and score Mar were both entered in a zero to one hundred and sixteen handicap chase at Limerick on the twenty sixth. As as Tony pointed out last night, their respective hurdle marks are one hundred and forty one and one hundred and thirty seven. I mean that they're very interesting horses. Score Mar ran an absolute blinder in in the Coral Cup last year when the race was maybe over, but he ran on to finish fourth. He, he really. He came from the clouds under David Mullins, um, and he'd be very interesting. He needs to get his act together over fences, of course. Um, and there's a few horses I'm looking forward to. Obviously, Dean, um, I'm just, again, I'll kind of get my act together as I come closer. But the one that I'm, I'm most looking forward to over Christmas is definitely my bite, Dean. Yeah, I'll be in the Mike Bike camp as well as in terms of visually. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to watch that King George. I think it will be very, very good. It does look one of the hotter uh, versions of the race we've seen for a while. I think I'd throw Pobbles Bay in as my most interesting punt of the uh, Christmas period in that Welsh National. I do like Beware the Bear, but Pobbles Bay looks like a, he might have been teed up for the right race at the right time by Evan Williams. Nick, final word to you for Christmas period. What do you like the most? Well, absolutely, no doubt, the King George is the race of the of the Christmas period. It is one the one Grade One race that has several brilliant horses in it. It has one horse in might bite who is very, very likely to give his running, in which case he will win. But there are any amount of intriguing horses in the race whose best form means that they will give him a serious fright, but who could blow out completely. And they obviously include Bristol, the May and Thistle Crack, and then there's some dead in the race as well with Fox Norton, Willie Stay, and Whisper. He will stay, but Willie cope with the rising class. Uh, the other race we ought to mention before we go is this weekend's Grade One. We're very close to Christmas yes. for the for the long walk, the twenty third. Yep. Um, and I am looking forward to seeing whether the World's End, a horse I've got a massive amount of time for, can put that disappointment of Haydock behind him. It was desperate ground at Haydock, and don't get me wrong, some Spinner who runs against him again is a belter of a horse and could easily acquit himself creditably again, but. I think the world's end, if you're of a forgiving disposition, which of course I am, um, I think he could be the one at double figure off to, to run really, really well in this weekend's long walk. He's very interesting. And Thomas Campbell likely to line up in that contest as well and take on, you know what I mean, Harry? That's a proper pre-Christmas race, isn't it? The world's end ran such a big race in the Albert Bartlett last year, Nick, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he'd be Albert Bartlett if he stood up. It might not have been the greatest race in the world, but prior to that, he'd absolutely thumped the Eastern Horse of Dan Skelton's at, uh, at Haydock. Last time out, much the softest ground he'd ever run on. And he actually travelled like a dream for a way, and I either got tired or didn't like it or whatever. Um, but he's out again, and as I say, and he said at the end of the season, Thomas Campbell and the World's End are going to end up in the long walk, and one's going to be 11-2 and the other one's going to be 11-1. You'd have been hard-pressed to guess which one was which. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you. Those two do look very exciting in that contest and a proper pre-Christmas race. been great to have you on, Nick, and uh, wish you all the very best for the festive period. Pick loads of winners. Try not to do what you said at the opening part, which was lose loads of money. And uh, and uh, and in- enjoy all the racing. Dermo, thanks very much to you as well for coming on the race. Now, of course, brought to you with our friends at BetBright. Have a great Christmas, one and all. And, uh, yeah, do find a few winners. Terrific. Thanks a lot. <laughs>